You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob, this is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get you the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? I'll get you the, get the ball. ball. Get me the ball. I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money, y'all it for me, bottle keep popping that water bath, track it, yeah, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into 11 Personnel, uh, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett with a rare in-person podcast in KS Office. Even in person. A little, a little weird setup here as... <laughs> We're both wearing headsets, but we can't hear each other. No, so. no, it's very odd. Um, but you know, what would KSR be without some technical so it's, difficulties? It's uh, could, could be an interesting ride here for the next forty minutes or so. Yes, um, could be a little weird, but uh, it's also weird seeing you your face in the flesh. Yeah, like it's just I don't know. We're very close to one another. <laughs> We're sitting very close to each other at a table, and like normally, even if this was like a radio setting. You're not squished so close to one another. But you know what? We're going to make it work. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. Um, and we're here because this morning, it is Thursday, January, what, what are we have here? 27th. And this morning, we got to chat with Kentucky's four football transfers for the first time. Tavion Robinson, Tayshawn Manning, Deuce Hogan, and Darion Henry Young. Uh, you know, we can get into everything they said, but... General first impressions, thoughts. One, Kentucky's culture is kind of a a huge selling point. Um, it's a reason players want to come play for Mark Stoops. Two, and Tayshaun Manning and Tavion Robinson, two guys that are about their business, mature, mm-hmm. that are coming in here to play football and potentially get to the NFL. Very, very, give off a vibe. Very much ready to get to work and grind, and want to make some plays on Saturday. Meanwhile, Deuce Hogan is kind of entering a backup QB race, mm-hmm. and then Darian Henry Young's still pretty young. I mean, this is only he's he was a class of 2020 prospect, mm-hmm. so he's still got a few years left in college. But overall, I thought. Size for all of them, outside of Tavian Robinson, obviously, because he's a slot receiver. But Tayshaun Manning looks like an SEC offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Darian Henry Young could use a few weight uh, or a few pounds, but he has a really good frame. Like, you could see, oh, that guy looks like an athlete, a defensive lineman. And Deuce Hogan is a tall. Yeah, very tall. Looking, I mean, look like you may be in a quarterback shop almost. Tall, blonde hair. <laughs> speaks well. blonde hair, yeah, right. yeah. He – he, he was interesting to talk to because just his, his background, his upbringing. You know, Texas, high school star quarterback, dad was the coach, got thrust into a starting role. After his – in his freshman season, the, he said the guy that was going to be a senior transferred out, He's he ended up playing at San Diego State. So they had a talented guy ready to take them to a state championship. He leaves, 
thrusts Deuce into the action. And so you have this guy who, hell, that's, that's about as big time as it gets outside of SEC football, <laughs> Texas high school football. Uh, so he's been there, done that scene a lot. I thought it was funny, too, that he's like, yeah, it, it did not take long for people to say, so you can't beat him, join him. Like, he, he was already yeah. getting Iowa jokes. Uh, but to clarify, he did not play in the bowl game, did not dress for Iowa. He had already left the program at that point. He said he was a little conflicted during the games. He's like, man, these guys are some of my best friends at Iowa, but this is my new team in Kentucky. So he's like, it kind of worked out well where they both played well and the new school ended up winning. Um, but it's a little different than Tavion Robinson, who did play against Kentucky in a bowl game and has very not-so-fond memories of that game. 2019 Belk Bowl, he, uh, he took a shot from Yusuf Corker on a big third-down pickup in the second half for the Hokies. Fourth down. Fourth, fourth down. Fourth down. Fourth down. Yeah. That's right. And that shot, too, like it, we went back and found it. I mean – it wasn't a bang-bang play that you normally see between receivers and secondary. He caught the ball, made one guy miss. It was like five yards after the catch, and Yusuf Corker just freaking rocked him. Unloaded on him, yeah. I mean, helmet right to the solar plex of the chest. They even threw a targeting flag but went back and reviewed it, and they're like, no, you just got the hell knocked out of you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was obviously a memory, and that was similar to kind of Will Levis play Kentucky in a bowl game. Got beat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now he's joining the the good the the good guys. Um, but Tavian Robinson, I really <clears throat> he he's got a really important role here for Kentucky. I think that receiver room is pretty young. Um, he's going to be an older guy in the room. He's here for the spring. They've already started throwing sessions. It sounds like in the indoor. He's going to be a really, really big part of the offense. They need him to consume a lot of targets. He doesn't have to get 145 targets like Wondell Robinson did last year, but he needs to be a big part of the passing game. And so to hear him talk, a very businesslike approach, um, seems like he's ready to put his nose down and get to work, I think was a good sign uh, because that's what you thought you were getting from from him, and that's what it sounded like today. And He's going to be one of the most important players on the team, I think, going into next year. And, like, when we get to go to spring practice or go to the spring game, like, he's going to be a guy we're all going to be looking at and watching to see what he can do. Obviously, Wandale brought a speed, athleticism, and explosiveness and elusiveness that the offense did not have. But if you notice with the way that coaches and his teammates talked about him, uh, – especially Vince made it a point often because Wondell could have came in and, you know, my my poop don't stink. I'm just going to, like, I I can do what I want. I'm going to get the ball, damn it. But Wondell came in. He went to work. He he earned their respect. Similar to what Liam said with us last week where he's like, you know, we'll – bid his time, he went to work with the threes until they were like, no, like, it earned his trust. And I, and I, right. get, I get a very similar vibes from this Robinson in that he's not coming in, like, he, he's coming in to be that guy. I, I think he fully embraces that leadership role in the locker, in the receiver's room, um, and is he's, – he's doing what you need to to kind of fit in initially and then also earn the respect that your voice will be heard – when you, you ask something of your of your peers. I think you could see both him and Tayshawn Manning emerging as kind of leaders on this team. But you do have – there's definitely an earn your stripes portion you have to go through. Uh, I think they're both doing that right now, and I think they both understand that. They understand um, how a team is constructed, how there's mm-hmm. leaders and there's – backups, there's new guys, there's freshmen, there's transfers, and you just kind of kind of figure out your spot, and then eventually once you get into practice, you're playing ball. Like in the spring, I think a lot of that's when this that transition could potentially be made for these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been around winning football before. I mean, Virginia Tech won some games. Auburn won some games. They've played in big moments, big rivalry games. Um, they're bringing a lot of um, some needed experience um, at a couple positions that – need some experience 
Look at offensive line. Lost three pros mm-hmm. off the starting unit. Um, a year after, you lose Landon Young and Drake Jackson. That's a lot of turnover there in a short period of time, not to mention new position coach coming in, mm-hmm. um, who's now going to start to have his fingerprints more on personnel and players coming into that room. Um, so it's a big transition there. So to add a couple old guys, and then you look at the receiver room, Nick, like we talked about, there's a lot to get excited about, but there's a lot of young guys, young cats over yes. there. yes. And so you need a leader. You get Cleavon Thomas back for a super senior season after an ACL injury. But after that, there's a lot of question marks. Tavian Robinson comes in. as only It's him and Cleavon, the only two seniors in there. So from that aspect, and you look at a guy who's probably going to be your starting slot receiver, may be the favorite to lead you a team in your receiving, you need that guy to kind of be a leader. So two very important pieces for Kentucky in 2022 will be Tavian Robinson and Tayshawn Manning, and they they seem to fit the mold and the culture of the program, which was really kind of a big talking point today. Not necessarily by the media; it was more like that's what players they brought, brought up, up. Yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, some of that is just oh, the coaches don't treat us like children. They aren't. It's it's a you when you show up on campus when it's time to go to work, you do your work, but they're not going to hold your hand through it. They're not going to like. It's not going to be dead sound. You can listen to, to music. It was like, very much – it seemed like a comparison between Iowa and Kentucky. Very much was what Deuce Hogan was Well, and I'm sure doing there. Brian Harson at Auburn probably thought he was Captain Hardass coming into – you know, like I just I, – I get the sense for a lot of these new guys because they all played for new coaches. Um, I guess Fuente was in his first year when Robinson got there. So, like, uh, a lot of those coaches – they have to set their standard. They're going to come in and just, my way or the highway. We're doing, you know, and that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on the heels of Liam Cohen saying, we don't, like, kill these guys in the off season. Yeah. Like, they work and they get their stuff done, but, you know, we're not uh, – it's not the junction, boys. Well, yeah, the, the words were, uh, everybody looked like they wanted to be there. Because – Let's be honest. Like, if it's, you know, 18 degrees like it was today and they're showing up, they're working out at 7 a.m., like, you can drag a lot of ass through those things. Yeah. And that, like, does it, – it, it adds up. If you're dragging ass through half of those, then you're going to be behind the competition. And so you have to make the most of your opportunities when you're in that building. And I get the sense that – this Kentucky football team, that they spend a lot of time together in that building, and it's not just you show up and then everybody kind of goes their separate ways. That that was the kind of vibe that I was picking up from those guys who had been were coming from different places all over the country. Yeah, I think a lot of that gets back to the evaluation process. You need to bring in guys that like playing football. If you bring in guys that really like slash love to play, um, they're going to get along with the other guys who really like slash love to play football. And then that's how you kind of create that atmosphere mm-hmm. where people just like to be around each other. Um, you make the right coaching hires from a staff standpoint um, that can relate well to players. Um, well, obviously, we always hear about Vince Marrow. It's kind of being a lot of dude, a lot of players' guy. That's my guy, Vince, big dog. Um, but also, I think we've seen some of that with Cohen being able to relate to players too. I think it's helped a lot. Um, never really heard a bad anybody say a bad thing about Brad White. Yeah. And so I think you've got and then a lot of good things about Amar Stewart even today. Uh-huh. Um, Darren Henry Young had some positive things about Amar Stewart. So I think you you get all those things, and then that's how kind of they all create that culture. And then um, Stoops, I think, being very player friendly, as we've yeah. kind of seen um, our sister podcasts. Um, pun it deep, kind of in their interview uh, with the head honcho, kind of went on how the how he how he develops that kind of those relationships, and I think we've seen all play out. And then you put, and then all that stuff creates all these good environments, good atmospheres, and then it creates situations where you have guys in the portal they still play for you. They're oh. at, in a bowl game, and now you look up forty-seven and twenty-nine, last five years, probably going to be a preseason top twenty-five team. Your recruiting ceiling keeps getting raised. I think all those things slowly kind of add up, um, and they have an established winning culture in Lexington, and like we've seen, it's something people want to be a part of. I was uh, having a conversation. I guess it was over the holiday break. I was up in 
my wife's hometown, and I was talking to one of the guys, big Ohio State fan, and he was, you know, he, he was getting all on me. He was telling me all about, he was spreading the gospel of Jim Trestle, you know, and it was kind of funny, but there was one thing he was like, read his book, and I'm like, oh, God, this is going in one ear out the other. Where's the scores at? I'm looking around at the bar trying to find a game. Just, But the, the gospel of Trestle included a 90 to 10 rule, which is if 90% of your your guys are all on the same page, then the other 10%, you can give them a little more rope to have a little bit more leeway. Mm-hmm. And that means you can go out and for that other 10%, you can just get the best dudes you can find. It's not to say that Lynn Bowden played by a different set of rules, but he played by a different set of rules. And you can afford to do that if – the whole team is kind of in it together, then it's not as bad if there's one or two that, you know, they can slide by and get away with a little bit more. 85 scholarships sprinkled in between 18 to 21-year-olds plus walk-ons. You're going to have a few knuckleheads in the building. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is surround them with a lot of, like you said, that 90 – I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. If you got a good majority of the culture pulling the rope, you can deal with – well, and they can Some self-police stuff. it, too. Yeah, you know, true, like, too. And I think that's a significant part of player it. Player-led, and that's why it's so important to have a player-led mm-hmm. team. I think over the last few years you've seen that. Really, I'd say beginning in 2018 was really when that all – that finally, I think it seriously kicked in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming off a couple bowl seasons. They take it up a notch, and then you've seen them just roll forward with it in the last few years. And that's, that all – you know, it can be boring to talk about because we're you – know, yeah, I mean, but, this is mid-January football talk. We're, right, we're just, but I think it – I mean, it's all part of the – I think the winning recipe. And mm-hmm. you got to have it. And all these little things – They add they, up. They add up, and when it comes to recruiting, like, Kentucky slowly keeps raising that, that bar. Um, you raise that bar, you're going to get better players. You get better players, you're going to have more draft picks. You have more draft picks, mm-hmm. easier the recruiting sell. A few other things I wanted to add about the four transfers um, that you may not know. Tayshawn Manning, cancer survivor. We talk about being an old man. He is going to be the old man on the team. He started college a year late because in Thanksgiving of his senior year of high school, he warned that I believe he had leukemia. I think that was the actual one. Uh, I'm not certain. don't know that offhand right now. But he got diagnosed with cancer his senior year of high school. Uh, Auburn said, you know, do what you got to do. We'll we'll save a spot for you. Just go kick cancer's ass. He did. I think that fall he enrolled in like community college while he was wrapping up his treatments, got cleared cancer-free. So he started a year later. Um, and I think we did the math that he'll be, what, like 25? Yeah, I would say 24, 25. At, at some point this year. Right. He's he's an old man on there. Like, he's he's coming here for business. <laughs> you know, like, that, there's no messing around. Um, but it really is a testament to that young man, you know, and I asked, like, is this something you think about all the time? And he's like, really, that, that day, that Thanksgiving day, it's tough. But, you know, I've, I've overcome that adversity, and now it's only up from here. So, got a very optimistic mindset. Um, and just another dude on that offensive line who's overcome a lot of adversity. Like, I, I like having those guys fighting for you in the trenches, you know. There's yeah, a belief and, there. And another – They've had a lot of guys that are very serious dudes over there, and that, that that's another guy. Mm-hmm. And it just solidifies that interior core, I think. Yeah. Eli Cox, Kenneth Horsey, him, Quentin Wilson. You're just going to have some dudes, some grown, grown-ass grown dudes there to play. Now you just got to figure out tackle, which is we'll get yeah. into later. But that's probably one of the biggest spring storylines to see if any, anybody anyone on the roster, can they somebody they can pin on. If not, what can they do in the portal? I actually heard uh, – Brad White make a good point. The uh, he was he was talking with Leach today while I was driving from the office to uh, over to the stadium, and he he said something about the cornerbacks. That I thought was interesting. He's like, you know, if you can get away with not being beat at practice, like that's when it's really hard because quarterbacks aren't having to deal with the pressure. So you know, that's another one that we'll beat a dead horse over throughout the spring that we don't need to get into today. Um, but the other one, Darian Henry Young, I knew that he was buddies with McLean. Did not realize they played on the same flag football team or no Pee Wee football team. <laughs> Just Tom McLean, 
two thousand or like he was about a three thousand yard high school rusher. Yeah, it's not right up there. Just obscene prep athlete. Paris Johnson Jr. was top ten player in the country as an offensive tackle that starts for Ohio State, and then Darian Henry Young, top one fifty, all on the same Pee Wee team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine like so they got up to number twelve in the country in Pee Wees. I mean, Which, who's ranking Pee Wee teams? When I, where where do I find that? Oh, somewhere. You know, it's got. Pop Warner's got their their power rankings somewhere. There's there's uh, Joey Ohio football has his uh, Pee Wee power rankings, but uh, I also like imagine imagine just showing up to the football field and you're like, we got to play these guys. Who did you ever have anybody you played against that was just like an obscene athlete? No, I can't say I've ever. Not of note. <laughs> we, not uh, of note. Uh Trying to think, like, who was probably the best guys we played in high school. And even, like, the good guys were just, like – They weren't as – like, my, my cousin has uh, – he got ran over by Jeremy Johnson, but he technically tackled him. I mean, him. like, D- Doug Beaumont was my age. And like, – You didn't was, have to try to tackle his ass, though, did you? Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, really good basketball player, could play every position at football. Mm-hmm. He had a cup of coffee in the NFL. But, I mean, that was probably – my age, he was the yeah. best, I would say. Yeah, I uh, I did not whiff Antonio Andrews. He ran by me. Technically, it wasn't a whiff. And he – did he break Barry Sanders' record or just come short? I think he was short. Yeah, I think he was short. And McCaffrey since broke that. But uh, I love when uh, every once in a while they'll uh, – Spencer Hall, every day should be Saturday fame. He'll, like, share stories of people going up against freaks. Yeah. Those are so funny. Yeah. So funny. Um, and I'm sure that was the case for a lot of those guys who had to play prep football. Going we had a uh, because online last week was the Derrick Henry, and then one guy he's like on Wall Street now. It was him trying to tackle Derrick Henry, and he just got <laughs> just ran over. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but that was that was how we spent our day on Thursday, our morning. If you want to find more, you can check that out on uh, KentuckySportsRadio.com. There's interviews with all four guys, about 10, 15 minutes long a piece. Um, and we'll have stories coming out, too, um, before the basketball game this weekend. And the football games on Sunday. Look, at, I want to ask you your thoughts on the Bengals game. But first, got to tell our listeners that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, where I will love to log on on a Sunday morning and say, hmm, what do we got here? And last Sunday they offered over one-half passing yards for Pat Mahomes that checks one box. All you got to do is pick one more prop and you win your bet. Me, I get a little bit greedy when I download the Prize Picks app and use the promo code personnel to double my deposit. I like to try to get three and four and just hit it big, you know, like, eh, 10 bucks, let's try to win 150 or something crazy. You can play that just by picking your favorite players over under on their passing yardage, receiving touchdowns. Um, I was way off because I, I thought Derrick Henry was going to come out like a man possessed against your Cincinnati Bengals, but he did not. Not today. He did not. Uh, but what's fun is not only do they have NFL games, they also have college basketball. Uh, they have NBA. They have it all. That's how I, I made out like a bandit the week before. Uh, well, Kellen Grady over on points. That's uh, He's good for that. Uh, sprinkled in with some of the promos that Picks offer. It's a great app. You can go to prizepicks.com. Or download the app today. Use the promo code PERSONNEL. You'll get 100% back on your deposit of up to $100 when you use that promo code. Check it out today at Price Picks. Like it? How confident are we feeling entering this this game at Arrowhead? I thought they were going to win last week, the Bengals. It's a tough matchup. Chiefs are pretty damn good. Yeah, I'd say so. Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Yep, he's he's pretty but awesome. I mean, it is a house money situation, um, but this whole run has just been – I mean, it's just been so fun to watch it. Really, this whole year, I would say, since they, they beat – since they went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, it's just been – for Bengals supporters, fans, it's just been incredible. Like, Joe Brahma, Joe Bra- Joe Burrow is who – you are who we thought you were. <laughs> Just as just cool as cool as you can get, and just an, an assassin at the same time. And then, then you get Jamar Chase and what he's done. It's just, I don't think anybody saw that. No, coming. no, especially after the preseason. Yeah, well, and, and he took a year off too. 
Yeah, I mean, he was insane in 2019, but he did get overshadowed a little bit. Uh, but still, he, I mean, he won the Blitnikoff, and he was mm-hmm. utterly freaky. Uh, but it's just been it's just been so fun as a Bengals fan, just kind of watch it and see them win. Um, and, Nick, like the Titans game was so much like a role reversal. I felt like I was watching Andy Dalton in the playoffs <laughs> while I was sitting there watching it. And I did think they were going to – I thought the Bengals were going to lose the entire time. Once Tannehill threw the pick, the first play of the game, I was like, oh, shit, oh, we got this. <laughs> we got the quarterback, and they no, this is what it, this is what that feels like, to have a guy who's not just going to – you know, when, when in these playoff games, your quarterback's just got to go make plays, and who's not going to melt. They got to be – unless you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to be more than a game manager. Unless who tried to. Yeah. I mean, physically tried. <laughs> he was floating some balls out there. To the flats that right. you're just like, well, that one of these is going to go to the house. Right. These are pick sixes. I mean, Shanahan had to go fullback trap, had to go Debo on third and seven, hand it off. <laughs> just, Jimmy, do not mess punt this up. Punt return, just get out touchdown. Of the way. Like, just get out of the or way. Or punt block touchdown, I should right. say. And then, but in every other game, you saw it. Tom Brady and Stafford kind of go back and forth, making big vertical throws um, late in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen running Josh the ball Allen like and Will Mah- Levis Josh out there. Allen and Mahomes were just – just get out of the way and let them play one-on-one here in the second half. And then the Bengals game. Burrow was just, all right, take care of the football. Take sacks. We'll be okay. Second 18, I'll hit Higgins across the middle for a 15-yard game. Boom. Third and manageable. We're going to be all right. We just just hang in here. Just let the other team make mistakes. Um, that was kind of – that was like, well, this is what this feels like. It's yeah, on the opposite. Yeah. But it's just been – it's just been awesome just to see. And it just – it's um, confirmation for me, like, especially in this sport, the franchise, you know, it, that stuff matters, obviously. But at the end of the day, you got to have the Jimmys and Joes, the quarterbacks. Like, if you got the quarterback, you can figure everything else out. You can figure out coach. If you got the quarterback, you're going to get players that are not going to come play for you. Uh, you get positive momentum. It just – that it changes – I mean, it changes everything. And it makes you – like, the Titans have built up like this team, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've had, you know, playoff, playoff, playoff. Made a surprising AFC championship game. Come back. We got this big Haas cat, future Hall of Famer at running back. We've got a good offensive line. Defense has finally figured it out. We've got pieces on defense. We figured out corner a little bit. Our front seven is nasty. Bud Pree out there eating. Jeffrey Simmons is a monster. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get in the playoff. We get the number one seed. So, we're two wins away from the – eight quarters away from the Super Bowl. We're going to get every game at home. And still couldn't – Quarterback pisses down his leg. It it does – tough. This run does remind me of what the Titans did a few years ago when they were surprising people. And Tannehill was playing above his standard. Mm-hmm. Even though his numbers weren't great, he made the throws. Like, uh, I think it was against the Ravens. He dropped a bomb. Downfield, it yeah. was like third, you know, third and eight. Let's just fifty-yard touchdown. And hell, that t- throw he had to AJ Brown for a touchdown was awesome. But it is, I mean, it's all about the quarterback play, and that's the difference I think between the Bengals. They're probably going to run into a buzzsaw against the Chiefs. Uh, I know they won a few weeks back, but like replicating that again, you have to get in a shootout and somehow yeah. force turnovers. But they do have, they have the personnel to keep up. I think in a shootout. It's just going to be – yeah, you're right. Like, in that game, it's – the Chiefs are getting probably to 30. Yeah. They, they're getting to 28. and They're at least getting to 28 if they have a couple turnovers. For the Bengals, can you get to, like, 34? If you can get to 34, you can probably win the game. But it's going to be getting there, protecting Burrow enough to we get there to 34. Nine times. Nine times. Crazy. Crazy. Uh you did mention Josh Allen, though, and I kind of alluded to it. At what point this season are we going to start making some incredulous Will Levis comps? I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. You you talked – you mentioned it offhand about Kenny Pickett and kind of his growth – his kind of late growth. Yeah. But, like, the way Levis runs the ball, I mean, it's easy to pull clips where they're doing the same thing as Josh Allen. The or, hurdles. I mean, you know, he's not fake sliding like Kenny Pickett did. But, like – there's a – when we start making crazy stuff this offseason, like there's a lot of precedent for having a kind of 
slow, late-developing guy who finally gets his opportunity and a I'm good coach to, to help him grow. Very intrigued by after the draft, we've got McShay, Kuyper, Dane Brugler, mm-hmm. all the all the all the big time guys. They put out that that mock yeah. next day, like that after the draft, right there. Be intrigued to see if Levis is on there because he's going to be on a lot of guys' radars. Because he has the tools, you know. He's going to be able to extend plays. He's got the big arm. He's gotten and, more accurate throughout and his And he's career. in an NFL offense. Yeah. Because um, he's going to get more draft buzz than Hooker, and it's going to piss a lot of Tennessee people off. Oh, yeah. But it's the style Tennessee is yeah. – I mean, he's in a Bryles offense yeah. in college. Most of those guys just put up – Monster numbers. None of them have ever did ever did anything in the NFL. Very little sus- substance. Right. Sub sub substance. Substance. Gosh. Substance. <laughs> substance. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just. I mean, I'm very interested to see his stock. Like, it's not crazy. Kentucky could have a first round quarterback on the team next year. Whew. Well, and the thing I is, I think right now, if you dug into a little bit, he's probably looking second, third round. If he came out this year, he's probably looking fifth, fourth, fifth. Um, but if he puts it together, takes a step forward, there's there's a lot of tools there. Yeah. Um, and then looking at that draft class next year off the top of my head, you're going to have Bryce, Bryce Young, Young, obviously. But who after that? Um, I can't really think. Uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh-huh. Uh, who? Well, it won't be a knock on him, but a lot of it will be – well, look at who he was throwing to. You know, uh, you know there will be some of that chatter. Yeah, uh, of course. But, but uh, I mean, it's still – Bryce Young looks like the guy and then Stroud right then, but then it's wide open. Um, but, Nick, five, six teams need a quarterback in the first round almost every year. Yep. It's not crazy to think Levis could be that guy this year. Yeah, man. Just something to put a pin in, circle back on. Um, uh, we will get spring ball starting up in about a month, give or take. Uh, and, and then, you know, we'll start hearing more updates. Like you said, they have started throwing with one another. Getting an opportunity to get comfortable with some of the new receivers out there, guys like Dane Key. D- Dane Key is definitely a guy we kind of forgot about after talking about him for so much, you know. His recruitment ended, and then you're like, oh, Barry and Brown, and oh, transfer portal. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to be in the mix this spring. Dakel is going to be back from injury. That's one I'm very interested um, to see because obviously you need that vertical threat. He got some positive reviews over the summer. Yeah. Uh, but had that knee sprain, so we haven't got right. to see him so much. That that's his, that's one I'll – His growth is going to be significant. Right. And, and I think, as Liam put it on the show last week, it's earning Will's trust, not necessarily Liam's. Will's the guy out there throwing. So and We already heard Will talk about Chris Lewis as a guy he likes. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some guys to keep uh, keep your eye on. One guy that we talked about on Twitter Spaces last Friday afternoon was Javon Baker, who the Alabama receiver committed. That feels like an eternity and, ago. And we didn't talk enough about how we're going to be able to call him the touchdown maker. Oh, man. Javon Baker, the touchdown I mean, maker. Just an easy. Oh, gosh. Dorian Baker. Wish we had more of that. You want to talk about a guy with good tools just – Brickheads. Put it together. Uh, similarities, I think, with Javon Baker and Dorian Except Baker. Except a little bit. Prospect. Javon's a better athlete. Yes. Much better athlete. A lot faster. Uh, maybe not as More big. athletic juice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of juice. Uh, experience at an elite level, uh, to say the least. I mean, dude's getting reps in the national championship game. Dorian Baker will always have the American Pharaoh nickname during fall practice. You don't remember when Drew Barker called him oh, America Pharaoh? Yeah. God. Man, we there was some stuff back in that early Stoops days. <laughs> Lamar. I did I, I I still will always, you know, I know a lot of people probably think of his drops first. But I, I think of that touchdown he had at Louisville. I know I did, that LSU hit twenty fourteen. Dude, I was on the sideline for it. It was awesome. His freaking mouthpiece landed in my feet, and it happened 17 yards away. Yeah, that was – that was that was Dorian Baker, the touchdown maker. So, Javon Baker, yeah, we're excited about him. Probably not going to see him until the summer. Um, but, yeah, I did, Dekel Crowdis is a quiet kind of sneaky player to watch, I think, um, heading into his redshirt freshman season. Their receiver. Yeah, and uh, – 
I know you can go back. If you didn't check out our spaces, we talked for about 40 minutes. Max Duffy took all the credit for the recruitment. That's on uh, my Twitter feed, at Roush KSR. Should still be live up there somewhere. You just got to scroll quite a bit. Uh, we're not going to archive it for this one because it's pain in the butt. Uh, but, yeah, go back. Check it out. We'll be showing up from time to time. Um, there's something else that happened this week that we normally wouldn't discuss like it, but that's yeah, the biggest news story of the week. Chris Mack. What a loser. <laughs> oh, and one. Uh, you not- posed the question like it. I did. So I'll let you ask it. So pretty much, who is in the college football world, who is Chris Mack? Oh, I've got it. Okay. A coach that has a ton of success at a smaller school, a school he's very familiar with, gets the big job. Everyone claims, oh, that's a slam dunk. That's going to Media work. loves him. Media loves it. He goes, has a little success early, but it just doesn't work. The fan base turns on him fast. Right, the fit, the fit, just a lot, just a little too much square peg round hole there to work. So Place is a legend, obviously. So yep. he, let me let me hear yours. I so, can go down a couple names. The first one I thought of, just from a media standpoint, was uh, Will Bear Muschamp, uh, the greatest coach who never coached anything. That was the first one that came to mind. But the difference between Muschamp and Mac is that Muschamp could at least recruit. Mac could not. Mac's best player was a and Muschamp had power or blue blood pedigree. Yeah, instead of coming from like a smaller school level. But the one that I thought of was actually the coach of Tavion Robinson. That, me too. He's he is the perfect cup mm-hmm. because like Mac, he was replacing Justin Fuente, uh, a legend. Justin Fuente was replacing Beamer. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, and, and Fuente even kept some of those guys around. You know, we had the Bud Foster Bowl. Because um, he stuck around for another year, um, but the recruiting wasn't there at all, especially in state. I know that was kind of a beef, and uh, it wasn't in the same way. Mac had the Gaudi. I mean, hell, they didn't even completely turn on him with the Gaudio audio stuff either. But when the t- fan base turned, they turned hard. Same thing in the, in the team too. You kind of saw that with Fuente in. Uh, when he was farting around Just with Baylor. Just struggled out a little farther, I think, with Fuente than Mac. Yeah, yeah, it lasted another year. Um, right. But, like, Memphis football, how much different is it than Xavier basketball? You know, not really. Like, you have some success there. You have your one great year. You parlay mm-hmm. that into a good job. I mean, and at the time, Fuente and, Fuente and Mac, in each respective uh, field, they were the, the best names in their coaching search at that mm-hmm. time. I'm trying to think of who else was around with Mac. Do you know what other names were around in that that time? Because I don't. Musselman know. was doing good things at Nevada. Okay. Right, that was around McCronin, Cincinnati. Okay. And but for some, it's 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 astonishing how quick it got out of Mac's hands. Yep. Yeah. You'd. Uh, Mac was dealt with adversity and just didn't handle it very well. Uh, seemed like he let the temper get the best of him mm-hmm. in certain situations. Uh, was not ready to fill a shadow. He's coming in at Xavier where it was kind of a cradle of coaches. They were just, you know, plug and play. Yeah. Um, Thad Mata, Sean Miller, Chris Mack, and now Travis Stills having some success there. They're in the top 25. I think they lost last night, but they're in the top 25 right now. Um, so, yeah, that, that – it just didn't work. It just wasn't a fit. It's you never want to be the guy to replace the guy. Like when Stoops leaves, like it's going to be a tough job here. Um, most wins, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd say the same thing kind of with the Louisville football gig. Like Satterfield replacing Petrino, yeah, it was nice because Petrino just quit on the team. <laughs> but it's also the he uh, Louisville hired Petrino because they thought they couldn't do any better. Literally, yeah, they thought they. Tom Jurich thought he couldn't do any better, so they were willing to risk it with that guy. Um, so it's just hard when you have to f- replace a legend like that. I, I wrote a couple names down, Nick. Okay. Rich Rodriguez is an obvious one. Like, he had all that success at West Virginia, goes to Michigan, and it just – it got ugly fast. Yep, that's a good one. Charlie Strong at Louisville. At Texas. Yep. He's at Louisville. Louisville at the time had, was kind of plug-and-play head coach. Smaller level, John L. Smith – Bobby made one bag higher with Crackthorpe, but got Strong back in there. 
They were kind of a big fish, small pond. They had a lot of resources, financial um, support, but a lot more than these, some of these other schools. They had they were able to recruit uh, fairly well with Strong. He went and won. He looked like kind of the next thing. He goes to Texas. It's just a horrible – replaces national championship head coach, just a horrible fit. He had moments there. Like, Mac had the, got number one ranking. Texas beat Notre Dame that, to start that one season. It's Texas is back. And then they go and have a <laughs> losing test, season. Yeah. And, and then he had a loss to Bielema in the bowl game where we got the borderline erotic from Brett Bielema. <laughs> Chris Mack makes a tournament, loses to Richard Pitino. And then the one current one I had, I think Fuente was probably the number one one I had, but like Brian Harson at Auburn right now. Oh, especially the moves to the coaching staff this offseason. Yeah. That, that, that was the desperation that right. Mac did last year. Yeah, like Brian like Harson. I've got to save face. I've got to do something. Couple. And what's funny with Mac, though, is it felt like Mac got desperate and took out the guys that people liked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like with Harson. He, um, you know, he goes – he was an assistant at Texas there for a little bit, goes to Boise, his alma mater, Chris Mack, Xavier, his alma mater. That's mm-hmm. true. Wins a couple of Mac Mountain West titles. Is pretty good there, but he's not, like, super. Which uh, is kind of similar It takes him a while to get him to get a big chance at another school. Uh, Mack was at Xavier for, like, 11 years. Harson was out at Boise for six, seven. He goes to Auburn. Um, he makes some weird staffing hires. There was very much – Seem like Auburn's like you need to hire this some people with SEC experience. So he goes out and hires Mike Bobo, Derek, Derek Mason. Mason. Yeah. Doesn't work. Now he's doubling down on his Boise stuff, and we all know how that marriage is going to end. It was very, <laughs> I think that those are the similarities. So those were the really the four um, that I thought of. It's just and it just goes to show you this hiring stuff could be hard sometimes. Like oh, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, and it goes back to how we started. The culture fit. Like, sometimes on paper things make sense, but they just – it doesn't play well, out that way you this, expect. This time a year ago, Nick, Elijah Drinkowitz, is, everybody loves him. Yeah. Missouri fans love him. You know, they're starting to have some really good recruiting success. He goes six and seven this year. He brought in a new defensive coordinator. Um, really let their other one walk. The other one had a pretty good season at Illinois. This one was a wreck. Yeah. This 113th yards per play allowed. They've got – some good players leaving the transfer portal. All of a sudden, your quarterback of the future is going to be at Indiana next year. You've got this good recruiting class, but now you've got kind of a gap here where, you know, you're going to have to figure it out, and you don't trust the defense, and he's made some staff changes. So, you don't – you know, he's 12 games away from being on the hot seat. It's just – you don't know. It's very hard, and that's why it's year, – year-over-year stability is the most important thing you can have. If you have that – then you're going to have the chance to break through. But you got to stay patient sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I do at least – in Max's case, you've got to acknowledge, too, that Luck was never on his side, uh, you know, with the coach. Yeah, he like didn't he, get it. Uh, he just did – sometimes you got to catch the breaks, too. Yeah. That's anything in life, and he yeah. didn't catch the breaks. Because, like, his best team, COVID cancels the tournament, the, you know, last year. The, the, yeah, the following year, he's going to make the tournament again, but they just didn't play enough games. They were, they were saddled on my COVID so much, and you know. Uh, I, I still remember asking Stoops. So it was something that got brought up on my radio show quite a bit uh, the COVID year uh, when they were firing Grant afterwards. And it's like, well, do you, do you factor that in? Do, should people get a pass? And he's like, you and I both know we don't live in a world. Like, that's just not how we function. Yep, you can't. You can't. You can't. They crown a national – my thing is, well, that they crown a national champion. Yeah. Like, someone has a, tro- like a trophy. Those games were played. Uh, <laughs> con- conferences had champions. Yeah. Like, that the trophy's in those cases. Uh, the years count. We can say, you know, this, this, or that, but it's just – Everybody was playing by the same set of rules. Well, it wasn't like just Louisville was dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, just Kentucky was dealing with COVID. Everybody was playing by the same set of rules. Now, you you can look at that with context, but you still have to look at it as well, it's part of your resume. And and here's the thing, too. like it, People are willing to give you a little more leeway, a little more rope, if you're not a jerk. And Mac was just a jerk. That gets back to fit, too. Just he, he was combative. Fit. And, like, you can be that at times, but not in the way he was. He was in the – so, like, P- 
Patino was a, an arrogant jerk in the way that you're kind of saying next tiger arrogant. Like some of those arrogant guys you probably went to school with that are just like, huh. Whereas Mac was like a South End guy on Dixie Highway who was just going to fight you if you, whenever, like to be mean. Like who just like started puffing his chest out like yeah. he was going to fight you. Like you can get away with being that snarky, kind of arrogant, huh, even when you stink. You can be a jerk that way and be condescending, but you can't just have this like, I mean, it was like he was about ready to go to war with freaking Tim Sullivan. Like, come on. Like, Chris uh, Mack, un- it was un- – Yeah, unnecessarily combative. Uh, yeah. It just it just wasn't a fit. He, I think a lot of it he just didn't handle being in the shadow. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be impossible to get out of. Now this next coach is going to come in, and if they go to a couple tournaments, they're probably going to be pretty happy for a while, at least to start off. And Mack never had that, um, that little grace period, even though he took over in tough circumstances. Um, just a hard place to come in, and then the turnover they've had in administration. Um, quite a mess, <laughs> and it's going to be an interesting coaching search oh, to follow. Oh, man. It's fun to follow from afar. Lucky. Mm-hmm. Glad that we aren't, like, on, hitting the ground running yeah. trying to get scoop and sources and yeah. all this junk. Because uh, who do you even get to go to your sources? You don't got an AD yeah. or president? I or, know. You know? I, yeah, at least we have some stability on this side. Um, quick shift over to recruiting, Nick. Yeah. QB recruiting. Like, you're going to start seeing commitments now. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are going to go off the board. I know everybody in the country is paying attention to Arch Manning, um, uh, but Kentucky's in other areas. This week, Grayson Loftus was a kid they had camp over the summer, South Carolina quarterback. He committed to Duke. A few weeks ago, Raheem Jeter, another South Carolina quarterback, committed to West Virginia, both three-star prospects. And then Christopher Fazina has blown up. He's yeah. top like one twenty five, top one hundred twenty five prospect. Going to be an All American next year. Sam Spiegelman of Rivals, I believe, just pr- put in a prediction for Clemson. Mm. It's sounding like that the the arch race is probably Georgia, Texas, maybe Alabama. I think Clemson might be backing out of it a little bit. Vecina has been Kentucky's top quarterback for a long time. Birmingham, Alabama prospect. I just it's probably they're probably not going to get him. Okay, so you. You're taking a lot of guys off the board. I think Chris Parson, who's committed to Florida State, is a guy to keep an eye on. He's down in Nashville. They had him at a camp. He looked really good. Keep uh, chipping away. Liam Cohen really liked him. Norvell could get canned, you know. Right. So that's one to watch. Um, and then Bo Edmondson's a quarterback in Austin, Texas. I think they like. Uh, but long story short, this high school recruiting quarterback position now, you really just need to swing for the fences. See if you can land a guy. There's no real need to land developmental three stars anymore no. if you're Kentucky. Just go to the portal. Yep. Um, like, well, this will probably be Will Levis' last year, and the starter next season, 20 – what year are we in? 2023 20, It's probably going to be a guy not on the roster right now. He's probably playing for someone else as yep. of right now. Um, so that's really kind of the recruiting strategy you're going to get. Uh, now you would ask, hey, Adam, well, what about the backup? Everybody in college football has got a weird backup quarterback situation. You're not going to be able to have two good quarterbacks on your roster. No no longer can you hoard quarterbacks unless you're cream of the crop. Uh, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, teams like that. Um, So, like, if anybody's quarterback gets hurt, it's just you're going to be in a tough situation. That's just kind of how the sport is due to the so much action transferring. I think it's just very important to keep – Attacking that portal. And that's why a guy like Deuce Hogan could be a sneaky pickup, Nick. Former four-star prospect. You get him in here as a walk-on. Maybe it just didn't fit at Iowa. Uh, maybe Cohen can do some work with him, and then maybe he can be potential quality backup for you. You just never know. Um, but, but like I said, the high school recruit, it's just kind of weird how, 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 they, how you kind of evaluate and develop that or manage, I should say, that recruiting that. It's going to be interesting to follow. But what I think we're seeing for Kentucky is they're – they're swinging. They're taking big swings. And they're at least getting on early enough to where it's not like they're offering after the Clemson right. of the world or, right. or in there. So, they're, they're a value. They've got a good half for the talent. Right. You know? And that's why I'd say Deuce Hogan could have been sneaky because maybe they decide just not to get a quarterback in 2023. Mm-hmm. That could just be your addition, and then you get the transfer mm-hmm. next, the big transfer next year. We'll see. I and know. Then, uh, hope, net- and then Bo Allen, obviously, you see how right. he can develop. Uh, National Signing Day is next Wednesday. So weird. 
That it's yeah, just, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because uh, Kentucky, they could have two guys. Brad White was visiting R. Mason Thomas, the edge from Fort Lauderdale this week, but seems like that's Oklahoma or Miami, or maybe even stays committed to Iowa State. I don't know, uh, but that's going to be a tough one, but still an option. And then Jalen Farmer, the Florida commit, they had him on campus right before early signing period. Might be a tough get. For his official, right. So, uh, you know, th- those are possibilities, but who knows? Uh, you know. It's weird. Curtin's weird, man. Yeah. It's um, it's so weird that this February day is just kind of – Nothing. Nothing. Especially with the portal on top of the early signing period. Mm-hmm. It's just like no one even ca- – like no one even – cares. I do get the sense that uh, this calendar is going to be switched around. You're yeah. seeing a lot of push in that. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, this has been fun. We've enjoyed talking to y'all, even though it was a little bit slower than normal. We still got a little culture talk in. Uh, good to hear from the mid-year guys. Hopefully we'll hear from some of those freshmen next week um, and get to share some anecdotes from that. But until then, lucky, best of luck to your Bengals. I'm betting the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl Hooray. this week. And, yeah, that's another reminder. Bet your Super Bowl winner today. Just You, you get money on odds that you're not going to get next Joe week. Burrow, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I mean, seriously, what, I bet you get it at, like – Take it right now. Plus 6,000, you know, 6 to 1 odds. Yeah, you get something good. Yeah. So make your Super Bowl bets today. Make your prize picks bets on Sunday. Use promo code PERSONNEL. And then next week, download this podcast because you might have uh, Adam Luckett, who is just on cloud nine, Ready for a Bengals Super Bowl birth. I don't I, I would it's that would be a total I don't know what to do with my hands moment. Just I You're like, already in. We're just happy to be here. I, I don't even know what you would do at the Super Bowl. I am. I am. I I just wanted to win a playoff game and then go beat the Titans <laughs> and it was just it's just been it's been I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just been awesome. <laughs> like I do say this, like as fun as this will be like now there's gonna be pressure after this. Yeah. Now it's like you got, you got everything. Now, now we need to go win a Super Bowl. This is going to be your least stressful Sunday right. for a long time. Right. So you enjoy that game against the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs, Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. Let's make it happen. I, I can see that. Uh, I kind of like the Rams. Too. It'd be a fun match. It's hard to beat a team like that three, three times. Yeah. Well, we appreciate y'all listening. We'll be back next week. Go Cats and go Croakers.